humans, welcome to Palin' Around, the official Uppercut podcast. Here we'll be focusing on video games, fandom, pop culture, and how they all interact through the internet. I'm your host, Jessica Cogswell, and today I have a couple of Uppercut's finest here with me. First up is the number one B-movie stand and our editor-in-chief, y'all know and love dearly, uh, Ty Galiz Rowe. How are you, Ty? Hi, Jess. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I feel like that was like very, uh, that's like the most professional banter we've ever had at the beginning. Like, yeah. the, hi, Jess. How are you? <laughs> yeah, honestly. And then we immediately ruined. <laughs> uh, normally, one of us says something horribly, uh, I don't know, Nor- stupid. Well, to be fair, in the past, <laughs> it was me doing the intro and then you doing something stupid when I introduced that's, you. Yeah. And that's true. Now the tables have been turned. <laughs> Yeah, now it's now it's not as goofy. <laughs> it's yeah, you surprisingly, I am not as good at being goofy off the cuff as you. <laughs> Which is wow, that's baffling. Um but the next intro I have is a little bit goofy. Uh we have also been graced today by none other than the reader of star charts and the eater of chicken sandwiches. Um <laughs> our girl Kayla Joet. How are you doing, Kayla? I'm doing so good. I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for that intro. Yeah, of course. Um, and finally, I'd like to introduce you all to today's guest. She is an award-winning illustrator. Her work seen in the Dwayne McDuffie award-winning graphic novel Archival Quality, the Eisner and Ignitz award-winning anthology Elements Fire, and the upcoming horror anthology Dead Beats. When she's not taking over the world of graphic novels, she is also a Webster University professor, a freelance editor, and the new cartoonist for the comic strip Heart of the City, making her one of a handful of black female artists to grace mainstream newspapers funny sections and if that wasn't enough she's also cool as hell and rocks the most perfect winged eyeliner i have ever seen (laughs) so steens thank you so much for coming on how are you very good thank you for having me i appreciate the uh intro uh singing my my praises it sounded really yeah especially the eyeliner thing it's it's definitely (laughs) one of my favorite things about you know my whole makeup process oh it's like amazing Like, I, 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 like, looked at a couple of your selfies, and I was just like, how? Like, how? It's, it's perfect. It's literally perfect. Honestly, um, I think the one thing that helped me get it right is uh, how much time I spent painting in college um, and knowing how to, like, really fill your brush up with enough um, pigment mm-hmm. in order to get a nice straight line. Um, so, yeah, if you want to be good at that, either work at Victoria's Secret like I did or become a painter. <laughs> no i feel like uh like art and makeup though do very much go hand in hand i mean even if you're doing like like contouring or like blush and bronze like all of that yeah. stuff like you have to know where light hits and, yeah like, that's like the whole thing and like what you can do i think to now kind of, you like... just have to be a painter though right because didn't victoria's secret close <laughs> oh, has secret? no it is not yeah close, i was like i don't but... think so. i thought i i swear i heard maybe it was just like no, local stores no. or something well it didn't close but the beauty section is no longer so they used to have a very robust beauty section which i was a a manager for so you know they had makeup they had all sorts of really great um you know makeup brushes and now it's just back to what it was you know before which is just um perfumes lotions and other smell goods you know Mm-hmm. See, I knew what's funny is I didn't even know they had a makeup section. Like, I've definitely bought like their perfumes and body sprays and stuff. But um, yes, yeah, yes, Jess, like we a... were all middle school girls at one point. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> True. Um, they also used to have like good clothes though, but they don't do clothes anymore. I don't think they do swim anymore too, unless they came back with that because I know there was a huge backlash once they said they were going to stop doing it. I don't know. It's been a really long time. I, I feel like yeah. they still do swim, but. You know, I go in every once in a while to get my, my favorite perfumes and it's hard because I'm trying to like not support Victoria's Secret and not support mm. Sephora, but like, <sighs> that means I have to do the extra research <laughs> to find new stuff. Like I am definitely trying to figure out what I'm going to do about my eyeliner because I, I don't want to keep using Sephora b- brand black mm. liquid eyeliner, but I'm very particular about the type of eyeliner, you know, so. The search eventually will begin. Yeah. Okay. No, it's hard. It's hard transitioning from all of that stuff for sure. Okay, yeah. I figured it out. Apparently, Victoria's Secret just closed a bunch of stores, which is why I thought they were just shutting mm. down completely. Mm. Okay. Turns out it's just capitalism as usual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> capitalism at it again. Uh, 
Well, well, speaking of things being closed, that's the transition we're using segue. today, everybody. <laughs> Segway. Uh, the best. The best thing you can do with a segue is point it out. <laughs> it makes it. It makes just it like jokes when you have to explain them. <laughs> Which actually is, like, my go-to thing. I think it makes it even better. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, convention cancellations. Uh, because of COVID-19, a lot of conventions this year, um, kind of from, like, I don't know, March onward, I would say, is, like, when that really started happening. Yeah, I think uh, PAX East been... was the last big con that actually happened, at least in our yeah, space. It... And I think that maybe for Steens, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it was probably like C2E2. Yeah, C2E2. Yeah, like, but post that, um, I think there was like the initial wave of everything getting pushed back um, to like later on this fall. And then come the summertime, everything kind of was either canceled or we'll see a next year kind of thing. Um, And obviously this has a huge impact on people who their outreach is through conventions or like Mm -hmm. that's how they meet clients, um, things like that. And I know Steens, you're kind of a prominent figure at conventions and you, you, you've been going to them for a bit. I wanted to ask you, how long have you been attending them? Gosh. Um, that's a good question. Um, I feel like maybe since 2014, which how many years ago is that? Six years? So not, you know, it's not even that long if, you know, I'm looking at other comics professionals, but I think with me, even though it was only six years of convention going, I packed them in quite a bit. Um, When I was going for uh, the comic book shop that I I managed, I would only do maybe like one or two, but Mm -hmm. then I started working at a library. And when I was working at the library, I would go to a few more because I was getting zines for our our zine collection and building that up. But then I moved into working at Lionforge in uh, social media management, uh, community management. And I ended up going to maybe like 13 conventions a year. Um, Holy shit. Yeah. That is intense. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was great because I, I I have a newfound appreciation and love for travel, and I have um, a lot of new needs and and wants when I stay at a hotel. So, you know, I think it was it's all good because I I feel like I can travel with my eyes closed now. But um, yeah, it didn't really help me with my uh, work life separation. But um, now that I'm not at you know at a publisher. Um, I was still going to maybe like six or seven a year just because it became my income rather than my job, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I go to cons for a lot of different reasons, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But, um, you know, I've, I've been going to quite a few of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that leads into something that I wanted to ask you, because I think that we all discovered when we started covering PAX uh, that you really have to kind of find a sort of rhythm to navigate a con mm-hmm. and like the various like industry events outside of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does a normal like con week or weekend look for you? Like how, how do you go about it? So I'm actually um, a Virgo rising. So hey, mean, same. Kayla, same. Kayla, astrology, what does it mean? <laughs> it means that Steens is probably comes off as a very organized person when you first meet her. Yes, that is exactly that. Um and uh I am. I'm I'm super, super organized. So actually what I do for the weeks leading up to whatever con I'm attending, I always put together a schedule for myself for what I'd be doing, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, including where I'm staying, who I'll be staying with, um, where I have to be, what meetings I have to go to, when I'm going to be at my booth, what panels I'm going to be in, because I really like to use up that time to the best of my ability because, you know, I live in St. Louis, and while we do have a lot of great comic artists that live here um the most that i get out of going to cons is you know seeing clients seeing potential collaborators seeing my friends selling my work you know i just i have a lot to do when i'm there so um those days leading up to it i'm very organized about where i'm going to be and how long i'm going and usually i'll get all of my panels done and accounted for and 
I have made it so that I only do um, one or two panels a day. Uh, two, if I'm really passionate about it, because um, when I was doing it as a job, um, there was a, a weekend where I at San Diego. It was in San Diego right after I got married, actually. And I, I did 10 panels during that weekend. Oh, so, shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, as someone who is a frequent panelist, I absolutely have to be very organized because I need to know where it is. I've got to know. I even, like, take time to figure out where all of my panels are going to be so that I'm never late to them either, you know? So I'm super organized ahead of time. And then I also figure out my, like, social media campaign for it. I mean, obviously, social media is a good way for people to see who you are as a person, but it's also a really great way to, you know, constantly push, here are the things I'm going to be selling. So for the week before a convention, I have on certain days what I'm going to be promoting and where I'm going to promote it and then how often I do it so that by the time it's actually the date of the convention, people already know what I'm selling, when I'm selling it, where to get it, you know? Oh so, my God. so as as a fellow <laughs> Virgo rising, like my heart is fluttering right now. <laughs> like that's just so cool. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, um, it's the only way. I, I'm just like, I like to have control. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I'm, I'm that person who will like go onto that special shop and buy the $40 planner for the year. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I need to interject. What's your um, sun and moon? I'm a Libra. Oh my god! Moon. Wait, yeah. what? We're so. Close. What is what your the moon? Fuck. Oh, my moon is Aquarius. Okay, you're very close so. to Jess because she's got the the Libra sun as well. Yeah. Yeah, so Libra, Libra sun. I'm a Taurus moon. Libra life, man. You gotta have you know the the popularity. You gotta be out where the people are. You gotta be charismatic. I love that shit, but I also want to be very organized about it, or else I'll cry. Which is <laughs> where that Aquarius. Oh, oh my god, you got us dressed to a T. Steens, you're like confirming <laughs> astrology is real right now. Like, do you know how hard it is to be a perfectionist and also constantly crave validation? Yes, yes, I do. It's awful. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my life. Like, oh man, wow. Yeah. This this podcast is really uh. <laughs> Form, forming some bonds I love this <laughs> but no that's super cool um so I mean for those of you who heard Steens's like ridiculously awesome intro uh that's how you get shit done <laughs> yeah um, it really really is and you know I talk to people about my experiences at conventions and they're like oh it must be so fun for you and a part of me is like yeah of course it's fun I mean I love traveling I love seeing my friends and I love hot pot but also it's super busy because you know, I want to make sure that I have enough time to meet with my clients. I want to make sure that I'm starting relationships that I would not have otherwise been able to, to start, you know. So while there are a lot of downsides to, uh, you know, bar comp, definitely something that I make a point to attend because, mm. you know, that's where the people are, you know. And you don't want it to ever feel like this whole just like making the rounds, like handshake and you know what I mean? Like, at yeah. least that's how I'm with like you want to actually form real bonds and like kind of be involved in those social spheres. So, yeah, I mean, I always tell people that, you know, it's not networking, it's building communities. And I really do think that in order to do that, you need to come with, come to people when they're, you know, not in the middle of work. You know, I find out that I am, you know, more interested in working with people if we've gone out to dinner together or, mm -hmm. you know, we went to karaoke, which I hate. I hate karaoke so much. Um, <laughs> but but it's, like, important to go because you get to know people better. Like, for me, mm -hmm. it's, like, if I'm going to go to karaoke, I need to be, like, three shots deep into tequila, first of all, to have <laughs> any kind of fun. Um, Very fair. But, like, last New York Comic Con, I, I went and... Of course, I hated it <laughs> while I was there. But then three shots later, I was like, this is the best night ever. Um, but also there was an agent. And, you know, we had spoken before at previous Comic-Cons, but we never had time to, like, really, like, hang out. And then, seriously, after that hangout, they contacted me and they were like, you know, my clients are too busy for this gig. Is this something that you want to do? And so I told my agent about it and we like went into it, you know? So it's just like, you have to make those, those connections, not just to get something out of it, but because that's what you want to do when you want to build a community. You want to surround yourself by people who are going in the same direction as you, 
who uh, believe in your journey and you believe in their journey because when you have that camaraderie and you have that teamwork, we all truly want to help each other out of you know, the goodness of our own hearts. And Mm -hmm. those are the kinds of connections I want to make. I don't want someone to suggest me just because like I'm on like a black artist list. I want someone to suggest me Mm -hmm. because they like being around me and I'm also talented. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's something I feel like we all firmly kind of believe like we've had like, I don't know, I've had different people ask like, so how how have you like talked to this person or made this connection? And like, my biggest thing is like, never use like networking is about making friends who are like, like minded, and who have similar interests and like goals. And the second that you like have this ideology of like using people like ladders, like, you're not like, that's it's just messed up. Like, you're just, you're hurting yourself, you're hurting other people, you're not going to get anywhere. Like, that's that's not how this works. That's not how you want to go about things. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I love the, the building communities thing. That's, that's really, that's really cool to hear you say. Yeah. Thank I mean, I got that from Gabby Rivera. (laughs) (laughs) I was doing, um, in conversation with Gabby Rivera, where we talked to each other about our books. You know, she talked about her latest book and I talked about Arts of Equality and it was a really, really great, um, conversation. And I was very fortunate to be able to have it here in my city at one of my stores but like everything that came out of Gabby's mouth I was like I'm gonna use that that's perfect great great good (laughs) so yeah yeah I think that's something that definitely stuck out to me because it really is building a community I I think about the people that I I work with and I regularly recommend for jobs and they're the people that I would also you know go hang out with as well you know Yeah, yeah absolutely and I can imagine then like the lack of cons has really kind of been difficult this year so and I guess that's that's the bulk of this conversation I wanted to ask you um how have these cancellations impacted you I guess and and what kind of things have you done to mitigate those damages or like what have you done instead um and just if you want to kind of share your experiences with that yeah so at first I was like this fucking sucks (laughs) because Mm. you know I rely on going to cons not just to make money but you know like I was saying before built my community, talk to the people who, you know, see me online, do these panels, you know, this is, it's a part of the job. And to not have that was, you know, shitty. But now that we know the extent of, you know, the pandemic, obviously, we don't need that shit right now, you know, because I'd like to live. Um, (laughs) But one of the things that I have done to make it easier on myself is definitely still participate in like online panels um and doing different kinds of of community building you know i've been way more uh active in my discord um i actually am a moderator for a um a marginalized gender uh black and indigenous poc um of comics uh discord so ng bipoc but you know, and, and being in there actually has helped me a lot. And also um, playing Animal Crossing, <laughs> which, Aww. you know, is uh, it's, it's a game, but it's also like <laughs> I have spent more time at my friends' islands than I have spent at their homes, you know, and I still feel like I'm getting to know them better through being able to chat with them and, and see them to a point regularly in Animal Crossing. So I don't know. I'm fortunate that I happen to land a job that is now my full-time job and fully supports me. So I'm not too worried about going back to conventions after this. But, you know, I am thinking about all those creators where that's their 24-7. That's their job and they need that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hoping something is, is able to be done because, you know, web sales just isn't enough. It's It's not the same, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because like that, not only do you make the purchase day of when you're like on Artist Alley or are you doing some of these things at conventions, like you also get your name out there, you can pass out cards, and then you have people who repeatedly come back to you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, And I've had people who come by my table like every day, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that you like. You want to be like, you know, hey, good to see you again. Interested in something else? You know, that sort of like um relationship building with your clientele i guess is super important and we're missing out on it 
and you know talking about like the networking and stuff and like making those friendships i feel like that's such a huge part of conventions and yeah you can you could do it over the internet but it's definitely not as easy it's not the same it's not the same you know you don't get the vibes yeah the vibes are a big part of it and you know sometimes that's good because sometimes people's in-person vibes just aren't as good <laughs> you know <laughs> there are some people that just like you're like standing like that why don't you you know contact and you know they ha may have their own reasons for that but you don't know you know you can't just be like why why aren't you giving me eye because that's a fucking weird thing to say to somebody but you know online you don't have to worry about that you get to know people you know as who they are rather than you know what you're experiencing in, in front of you so i don't know i think there's a a kind of a mix a balance of, of, of both really mm -hmm. that's what i was going to say is i feel like it's one of those things where like having both sides to kind of weigh a relationship is nice you know what I mean like it's, it's one yes. thing to have like that the online interactions where you can like formulate your thoughts and words and kind of figure out like how you want to project yourself and then it's 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 nice to know though like how someone is in person yeah absolutely um, yeah. and sometimes you might find out something that like you may not have realized if you hadn't met them in person you know everything from like their height to their mannerisms you know like or they may do something that you think is just like so, so cool and you would have never known it because you only talk to them online, you know? So there's, there's a need for both. Yeah. Uh, well, and like, I'm a huge advocate. You said earlier, like, you know, you're more likely to, to work with someone if you go to dinner with them. I'm a huge advocate of that too. See how yeah. they treat their waiter or waitress. See how they tip. Yeah, like <laughs> absolutely. I yeah, mean, like it sounds stupid, uh, but it's like, like I, I like to see how people interact with people. Like it, yeah. it just like, uh, yeah I don't know it's important to me it is it's definitely important I mean you always think about oh what did someone say I don't remember where I read this but you know the relationship you have with your friend is not the same relationship they have with someone else and mm. oftentimes you want to see what that relationship looks like because maybe it mirrors your own or something else. I don't know it's good to the moral of the story is it's good to see people in person <laughs> yes yeah absolutely um so I know some events like like PAX is doing this um, with their panels and even with like game demos and stuff. Um, everything's transitioning over to being digital. I know that you said that you've been on Discord more and you've been utilizing online resources, social media. Um, but how do you feel about like conventions going digital for a while or even if that's like the future of how some of these things are held like um where you know your panels are all like live streams you know through twitch or whatever and you know you can share your art like maybe through showcases on the actual convention's website or something like i don't know i don't know it's so like on the one hand i like doing these sort of you know just at home panels because i have more of an opportunity to do them you know like i don't have to actually be in san diego and purchase a expensive ticket and expensive flight to get there to be on a panel I can be there on you know from the comfort of home, which is great but I don't know how many people watch those because I don't <laughs> you know mm -hmm. if someone's like I'm doing a panel for x and what's x or you know this show you should come and see it um I probably won't look at it like to be perfectly honest I just like what I like about panels in person is I don't know just being in the mix of things and, and, and being around other people who are also enjoying it. you know yeah so you kinda, I mean you make that purchase and you kind of commit to the experience and like being present yeah exactly that I'm spending the money to go here so I'm going to do the, everything I can to make sure that I get the most out of it you know and mm -hmm. if I'm just doing it at home what is my incentive to to, to watch it other than I get to see my friends, you know, I think I'm looking, I'm trying to think of what panels I've actually watched in this unprecedented time. <laughs> and it was one on uh, black women in, in comic strips, which absolutely refers to my work, in, you know, specifically. <laughs> so, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know, I, I'm, I'm more likely to go to a panel and get something out of it if I'm actually there than if I'm doing it from home. So, yeah, 
knows? What I'm kind of hoping is we'll get like more of a mix of this because there's been kind of the argument that well, doing this digitally is like great for accessibility because there are some people who yeah yeah who like can't travel or who like financially like just can't make like tickets or, or plane tickets happen um right. and so it'd be really cool to kind of see like a merging of like you know you have these people go to the event but like more options for streaming it or like doing like yeah like, lower fare tickets for like an online or digital thing i i really think that most cons should be streaming their panels yeah you know uh it uh, i i understand that they want people to pay the money to attend the show but i i believe that the majority of people who go to shows are not just going for panels they're going to buy mm -hmm. stuff they're going mm -hmm. for the experience to hang out with their friends i mean there's so much more to do other than panels that if they just stream the panels i don't think they're going to be losing out on anything well they're yeah be especially because like at least in our space right like i don't go to panels unless my friends are on them honestly and, like, that would be kind of the same thing as, like, if you did a PAX preview, like, and PAX wanted to charge people for that. Like, you know, like, they give free passes to content creators so that, like, people who don't go to the show can get stuff. So I don't see why pa streaming panels would be any different. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know. I just, I feel like there could be more that cons could do for people if they're staying home that would be just as worthwhile yeah you know and like there's like there are people who are like who have that argument of well if you if you stream stuff no one's going to go and like i think the two biggest examples i've seen that are like yeah i mean that completely disproves it is like sporting events people yeah. still show up in masses for sporting events and those absolutely. are televised um, yeah and, i mean and, and i want to see yeah absolutely like you know honestly i have gone to more online concerts than online comic book panels in the last four months than mm -hmm. anything because i just you know being able to actually see the people and be in their presence is something that you want to be able to remember and i totally get that but then there are people who just you, you can't go what are you supposed to do you know mm -hmm. but then also i think it also brings up like who who's chosen to be on on panels and what kind of uh, payment we get for that so like if i go mm -hmm. to you know staple or to um you know other smaller shows uh, i'm either getting my as a guest as a panelist i'm either getting my way paid there or they're giving me a free table or they're paying for or they're giving me some sort of pay to be on the panel and that doesn't happen with bigger cons like i've been on you know like when i was at san diego like i said i was at on 10 different cons i didn't get paid for any of that you know and so i think more people are more willing to do panels in 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 person and also online if they were to you know actually pay for it or get paid for it you know which i don't know maybe that's just like a completely different topic in, in general but i mean I feel like if I get paid by a school to come and talk about something on a panel, I should be able to get paid by Repop or San Diego Comic-Con to do the same thing, you know? No, absolutely. I mean, when you're, it's, it's time, it's energy, um, you should be paid for it. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you essentially are like, what is San Diego Comic-Con if literally no panelists or creators or anybody showed up? It's, it's just space. Like you're the yeah. ones you're pro you're providing that experience, you know, in part. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I think that that's kind of expected. Like that should be the way that we do things. Um, I was so because we talked a little bit about San Diego and New York and how you said they were both kind of like more overwhelming. Because uh, I've heard that from a lot of people that like the big yeah. comic cons are like kind of a lot and not necessarily yeah, as like great as the smaller ones. But like, what are some of your favorites and what are kind of the differences and like pros and cons of them? Yeah. So I have always thought about cons as which is a con that I'm going to go make money at and which is a con that I'm going for, quote unquote, networking. Um, mm -hmm. I don't panel at New York Comic Con. I've never applied to it. Um, it's just too overwhelming. There's just too many goddamn people. And I just I, I can't deal with it. There's too many people. And to have to be there the entire time and then also you know i do panels and these kind of panels get way more people at read pop in san diego than they would at a smaller show like staple or you know comic con in detroit um 
so like i i like smaller cons if i'm if i'm gonna be doing like one-on-one with people really talking to the people that are buying my stuff actually like spending time with some of the other people that are actually at the con as well meanwhile with like new york or san diego i go but i don't go to get that one-on-one with people it's just not possible there's just too many people you know Mm -hmm. so um i prefer cons that are smaller but i also like bigger ones because more of my friends go to it so i have more more options of people to hang out with so i like both but they're just for completely different reasons you know um so so are your like the more money making ones are probably like the smaller ones then yeah for sure i mean i make more money at like spx or or you know mini cons than i would at like a bigger con like comic palooza in houston you know Mm -hmm. um but again i don't go to some of those bigger ones because of that you know so or rather i don't table at those ones you know like i i've been to san diego a couple times and i have seen their artist alley and it's trash so like why would i want to subject myself to that it's Mm -hmm. just it's nothing it's nothing it's like a corner in the back of the convention center meanwhile the entire city is being taken over by entertainment and media which is great you know i too want to go to a futuristic taco bell i get it but like (laughs) as for making money it's not happening Yeah, no, absolutely. That makes complete sense. And like, yeah, I feel like there are times when like the cons themselves do get overshadowed by like all the stuff that is also going on outside of it. It's kind yeah, of it's a, it's which, a crazy experience. It is, which is why I prefer cons like, you know, Emerald City, you know, they're just mm-hmm. as busy and robust as some other read shows like New York Comic Con. But you don't have to worry about also doing entertainment stuff you know because mm-hmm. i don't know i think emerald city is more of a comic convention while new york is more of an entertainment convention it's not the same as san diego which is definitely an entertainment uh, convention but you know some shows are just more catered to creators than others absolutely that makes complete sense um i don't know kayla and ty did you guys have any questions or any any thoughts that you had about all this um I feel like you're hitting like all the notes that I definitely wanted to talk about, just like how it's really affecting your livelihood and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, Corona's weird. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it does. weird times. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can, I don't know. I, I feel like there needs to be a reason for someone to want to spend money on you online. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I know what that reason is yet because when I, I, so I have a couple of things that I sell, not a whole lot, but I do it in person because I don't have the infrastructure at my apartment to deal with online sales. And not a lot of people do, Mm -hmm. you know, which is why they go to conventions because otherwise, Mm -hmm. of course, they would just sell out of their home if they could, but um, I can't. And so the only things that I sell online is, you know, digital, you know, so digital comics um and i make like no money off of it so i'm i'm wondering you know how are we going to get more people to buy digital comics the same way that they buy merch or right. traditional mm-hmm. comics especially in this time right now where you just can't get your hands on it you know i just feel like the whole like con uh, setup is gonna change like forever because of this like obviously mm-hmm. at one point we're gonna be able to go back to normal when I don't know but I do mm-hmm. think that because of what's been going on and what we talked about before about like people being able to like watch the games on tv but also go to the games I think this is gonna forever change the way that works and they might start becoming more accommodating for digital comics and stuff like that I mean I'm sure there's even ways for us to kind of advocate for that as well and bring up that to yeah. the people um, in charge. I don't know, but I, I do think things are changing and there's going to be more going on with the online sphere. I definitely think that like digital comics needs like a facelift though. Like just from my mm. super limited experience in the space, like I bought some comics on Gumroad a couple weeks ago 
and they were in like a weird file format that I had to like download a different zip file reader to open and I couldn't oh, wow. open them on my phone. I could only open them on my laptop, so I couldn't like read them on my phone or my iPad. Mm-hmm. And it's like I want to support indie creators obviously and like by and large I like Gumroad but like it's just like weird little tiny stuff like that it's like the same shit with itch where it's like it's a great platform but it has so many like weird little faults for games but also for like other media that's on there because they it wasn't designed for that um and I think I think a lot of digital store friends are gonna have to really change to like meet the new demands yeah I mean, there's so many things. You have to know that there's like a difference between digital comics and comics. And I'm still not really sure how that's classified. I just know that like buying a PDF off of Gumroad is one thing mm-hmm. and going through and clicking through a webcomic is another. It's a different user experience. And, yeah. you know, the people that are making webcomics want to be as successful as the people who are just putting digital comics too but how do we do that you know how are we going to get them to take their pages and reformat them or maybe there's a way for us to you know buy into that which is kind of where like tapas and and webtoons come into play so you know there's a lot that still needs to be figured out in the digital comic sphere i guess the one thing that i'm thankful for and like we've seen it kind of a lot this summer um and let's just hope it sticks um is i feel like especially like on my Twitter timeline, I'm seeing a lot more people actually invest in indie creators. Oh, for sure. Um, or mar- and yeah, and just marginalized creators. Um, and like, I, I know like myself, I've been trying to like really cut down anything I buy on Amazon by like a significant amount. <laughs> Basically, yeah. if it's like a needed, like, oh, I need this in two days type thing, like yeah. that's what I'm doing. But I'm trying to like actually go to bookstores that are still open um, and, and just things like that and, and just be a better consumer. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's kind of a movement around that that I hope just I really hope sticks. And I think that that could be really beneficial for even like these indie creators who like online is like their main way of promoting themselves and selling their products um so it'll kind of enable them to be more successful doing that yeah i also think that you know buying off of amazon while you know amazon is the devil in a way (laughs) um it's just wildly accessible (laughs) you know like being able to get something in two days that you can't get anywhere else is like incredible you know so yeah it's an accessibility thing too right like I boycotted Amazon for like a year with the exception of Twitch and then I needed to buy um a walker for my dad and the easiest cheapest Mm -hmm. fastest way to get it was Amazon so like it's that same shit over and over again and it sucks well, and that's yeah. why I feel like you have to be really careful to not shame people for that. Um, yeah, like you can absolutely. kind of monitor, yeah, like monitor your own habits and like do do what feels right to you and like actively try to like consume and buy in the best way. I mean, what there is no ethical consumption or whatever under capitalism, right? Like is the thing <laughs> which true. But um like I monitor yourself, but I think it's really important to not shame people. Another place where I really see this and it's kind of like a side note but all related is like with fashion um especially for like for like plus size women like a lot of times like fast fashion is like the only accessible way for like women to dress how they want to mm-hmm. um without spending a ridiculous amount of money like like 120 dollars jeans like like people can't right. do that it's much better to you know drop the 20 bucks and get them from like you know i don't know fashion nova or whatever right <laughs> like you know yeah. Yeah, that's the first one that pops in my head yeah. but yeah, i think about that too with like but... comicsology and stuff like relating it back to the comic stuff because like that's an amazon joint too isn't it Yes, it is. I, I think so, yeah. yeah. And, like, that's how I read a ton of comics the last time I was, like, really into comics, just because I kind of go in and out um, of that mm-hmm. particular form of media. Um, but, yeah, I read a fuck ton of comics on Comixology, and, like, it is more accessible, which yeah. sucks. Yeah. Yeah, you want to, like, shop consciously, but, like, also you want to be able to 
do it as easily as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a it's a balancing act. I think it's yeah. just one of those things. Like everybody's kind of like try the best, you know, do do what you can. Um, but I do think it's really important we don't like shame people or put people down when that's like within their means. Like that's that's how they can do their shopping or do their comic book reading or play their game you know i feel like as long as you're whatever it may be educated you know like like am i gonna order on amazon every now and then because i have to yeah but i'm also gonna be like you know fuck bezos like pay me yeah you know (laughs) being aware of those situations um but also advocating for more accessibility in every space um I think there there's gotta be you you can't shame everybody for the way that they live their life. I mean, I mean uh, you can, but in in this situation, <laughs> in these situations, like you know, well, it's like, and if you really want to shame anybody and point the finger at anybody, it's like make Jeff Bezos pay taxes. Like, Bezos, yeah, like I was like, make him pay taxes, make him pay his employees fair wages, make like the the labor used to create these items like you know, regulate wages there. Like there there are a lot of other people with a lot more money and power who need to have fingers pointed at them before you say like, oh, you're really bad for, you know, buying that $25 water bottle off of Amazon. (laughs) I don't know. And then also like we have to think about, you know, going back to conventions, you know, taxes and stuff and, 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 and all that is another thing that, um, creators are going to have to deal with this year and it's going to be shitty Mm. it's going to be super super shitty because you already have to pay so much in taxes when you're a freelancer you know because none of it is um taken from you it's it's all Mm. you know profit right then and there um but on top of that now now your work history is going to look weird because well last year you went to seven cons and you made x amount of dollars and you gave x amount of dollars to irs good job but how come not this year you know, like, how did you make your money in between cons this year? And, you know, the one thing that I worry about when it comes to that is the consistency, because when you're trying to do something to like better your life, like purchase a home, gather equity, buy a car, they're looking at the consistency of your past. And so with COVID, it's just throwing that out the window for a lot of people. There are people who have to change careers because of it. And now their whole like trajectory is fucked because of COVID. So I don't know. I didn't like even think thing. about that, but yeah, that's super fucked. Jeez. Yeah, it really, really is. I mean, I'm going through it now where I had to get, you know, my husband, my loan application for this house, which like doesn't make any sense to me because A, I make more money than him, even mm-hmm. after taxes. B, I have almost no debt. And then C, I have, you know, a... a, a a job that I plan on doing for the for more than three years in the future, you know. So like, mm-hmm. I shouldn't need a cosigner, but because of my last two years of having been working at Lionforge, moving to freelance, doing editorial, doing cartooning, doing teaching, because I'm doing so many different things and getting so many different kinds of pay, they're like, well, we don't feel comfortable giving you a loan because it's so inconsistent. Which like it makes it even harder for freelancers to buy homes and buy cars and really you know get that stuff so you know that's why it's really important if you are going to be a freelancer is to make sure that you know all your ducks are in a row and they're in a row for at least two years straight you know so it it sucks that that... we don't have it's it's going to be fucked for a lot of people because of COVID now yeah I mean that leads to like a whole other conversation that it's like it's this is one of those like eyes eye-opening things because like I just I didn't even really think about that but it's like especially with more and more people gravitating towards like content creation in some way shape or form like I wonder how that's gonna look like 10 years from now because there are a lot of people in like some way shape or form that are doing something like that whether it's it's making comics making indie games um journalism like only fans like like any any sort of thing like that or like like cosplayers like there are a lot more people who are essentially running their own business. And I yes. feel like it's been talked enough to where most of like the rule that I have always heard is like, if you're freelancing or you're doing your own business, like take like 30% of what you make 40% mm-hmm. and just like, like save it because taxes are terrible. Yes. Um, and, and that's kind of the rule I've heard, but I never considered like, 
you know, the way that somebody would look at that when you're applying for a loan and be like, ah, no, this is instability. And it's like, nope, that's just like the industry. That's just how it is. That's just how it works. Yeah. And then, you know, I've seen so many, you know, creators out there, whether they're writers or illustrators or whatever. And, you know, they're buying these homes and doing so well. And in my head, I'm like, that's because of the money that they're making. That has to be Mm -hmm. it. But then you Mm -hmm. look a little further and it's like, no, they had to get a co-signer or no, they happened yeah. to have like uh, a full-time job while they were doing cartooning. And that full-time job W2 was what they looked at, not the cartooning, you know? So I, I think it's really important for people to to know and understand that consistency is what they're going to be looking for. And so you have to do everything in your power to continue to make it look that consistent. And if not, get married to somebody who has a job. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, like, granted, it's not always the case, but, you know, there are some people who think that, like, ah, well, this this creator got lucky or whatever, like, and it's it's generally never a luck sort of thing, you know? I mean, like, yeah. there, there is luck to it, but, like, there's generally, I feel like in certain, like, kind of what you mentioned, like, there has to be a sort of privilege that kind of allows you to the space yes. to like do art um, or to, yes. to create, like to pursue and create things. Yes. Um, and it's something just to like kind of acknowledge and like not beat yourself up over when you see other people, you know, having these things or, or getting to certain places. It's just, I, I don't know. The journey is different for everybody. Right. There's, there's an amount of privilege that goes into it. There's work that goes into it. And yeah, like a sprinkling of luck, but you know, it's, it's a lot of the other two. Yeah, I mean, you have to think about how that sort of thing is just never spoken about either, you know? Mm-hmm. I, like, just recently, like, Roxanne Garrett talked about that she didn't know anything about rent because her parents paid her rent until she was, like, 30. And I'm like, that is an incredible amount of privilege. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's wild. I love Roxanne Gay, and that is wild. Wow. It, well, her parents are rich. She went to yeah. a, a rich school. She grew up rich. Like, mm-hmm. one of the things that she did was, like, you know, she went to, like, fucking Scrabble competitions. Like, that's something <laughs> that fucking rich people do, you know? But you have to be sponsored yeah. a lot of times. So it's like, yes, you can have people who are successful in their own right, but you have to realize what made them successful. It's having that stability mm-hmm. that made them successful, you know? You can't do anything unless you have a home. Or you can't do anything unless you have food in your belly and clothes on your back and if you're Mm -hmm. constantly worrying about those three things creating is going to be a lot fucking harder so yeah Mm -hmm. if you have someone paying your rent no shit you have time to like become a best-selling author (laughs) you know yeah yeah absolutely well it's like god and this actually this just like and she's just a problem in general but it just like reminded me of something a couple of weeks ago lena dunham like popped up again in like the news and they're talking about like oh like when she was 23 years old she sold like this yeah. like show. oh i she remember that girls. she sold girls yeah. with like a one-page pitch that was terrible <laughs> yeah that didn't have like any actual information and it was like yeah because her parents are like two of the richest artists in new york and she's like a privileged yeah. white girl <laughs> like like you know i don't yeah, know it's it's, uh, it's, just it's like that for for everybody absolutely yeah. and you know it's so easy to, to you know to say oh well you know it's as in white because oftentimes it is because they're white mm. but other times it's because of your family and the mm-hmm. connections that you can make like you know with archival quality like um ivy's husband is like homies with the eic at the time uh the editor-in-chief mm. at the time so we were able to turn in our pitch for their first open submissions a week before everyone else which like is it cheating no but it's a, it's a fucking start you know it's helpful <laughs> you know yeah so you definitely have to think about that sort of stuff when you go into the creative realm and knowing that other people are just going to have a leg up, that doesn't mean that they are more qualified or better creators than you. They just have better opportunities, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and I think that, like, there are two things that I, I think of, like, after kind of talking about all that stuff. Like, number one, like, this is why it's so important to have transparent conversations and, like, mm-hmm. be honest about your privilege and be open about, like, how you got to the places that you know you've reached Mm -hmm. um and then also i mean this just ties back into like what we talked about at the beginning like this is why cons are so important this is like networking you know it's it's hard because like it does sometimes feel like i don't know a meritocracy and and like oh well i know this person but it's not really that so much as it's just like well you just have established relationships and you worked really hard and like you have people who are rooting for you and support your work right 
Yeah, and I'd like to think of it as, you know, neither nepotism nor meritocracy, but a combination of both, you know, Mm -hmm. especially in comics. Like, if someone were to ask me, you know, I need a writer for this series, the first writers I'm going to think about are my friends. And then I'm going to go through that Mm -hmm. friend list, and I'm going to pick someone who is the most qualified. But the fact that I'm going through my friends list first is a part of those building communities, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I can very easily go online and be like, hey, writer, send me your sample and go through all the samples. Or I can just go through my personal Rolodex, which happens to be very diverse, and then pick from there, you know? So it's like, it's all about making those, those, those conversations and making those connections because it is all worth it, you know? also like the recommendations that you make reflect upon yourself so do you want to just throw out some like random person who you don't know super well or do you want to be like yes I've known this person for three years I've worked with them they're super cool like I know they're a decent person right exactly you want to be able to like know someone well enough so that they want to work with you and then when they work with you they have a good time enough to recommend you for other things you know going back to the communities thing like even this podcast right like Steens is here because she and I are mutuals and like we yeah. had talked about this topic and I was like hey Steens would be perfect for this like mm-hmm. you know like that's a tiny example but it's true and I mean that happens for us all the time with uppercut like we've gotten so mm-hmm. many quote-unquote like lucky breaks right but like we have something to back it up you know yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for every, like, for every lucky break, like, people don't see the amount of, like, blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you work hard, you work hard, you work hard, and then somehow someone's like, oh, hey, maybe I can give you a chance. And then all the work is paid off because you're, you can back up, you know, what they are saying. So, I don't know. I think it's, it's definitely a, a combination of balancing act. You must build your community. You must, you know, reach out, you know, outside of just the people that you see online or just the people that you see in person. And you also have to work on your craft, you know, because mm-hmm. there are people who constantly get recommended for things, but aren't good. And you want to be one of those people that gets recommended for things and is good, you know. Absolutely. Um, gosh, this has been such a good conversation. I feel like it's it's gone in like different directions, but like everything <laughs> ties back to like what we're talking about. And like, I feel this is I don't know. I feel like I've learned things during this, yeah. and I feel like it's really informative and helpful. So I I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I, I like, I feel like you never know when people are like, "This is my calling." <laughs> I like. I think I honestly think that that my calling is educating people about the ins and outs of things that people don't normally talk about talk about and make sure that that information and those opportunities go to people who don't normally get the information and you know so if i can be on a podcast and talk about you know the transparency of of real or realtor real estate agencies and all that kind of stuff then that's great you know and actually that's something that i plan on doing you know the second i get keys to my house the next thing i'm going to do besides pack is work on the comic that explains exactly how you buy a house as a freelancer, you know? No, I, and I totally believe in that. I mean, like, I had a conversation, like, a couple years ago, like, I and I just remember it kind of sticking out where I was talking to, gosh, I guess my husband's sister, and we were talking about, like, finances or something like that. And, you know, we were both like, oh, I guess it's kind of, like, not great to talk about finances. But then, you know, we paused and we were both like, well, that's, that's like, the thing, though, is there are mm-hmm. these things that are considered, like, taboo to talk mm-hmm. about, whether it's, like, your mental health, sex, like, work, um, your finances. Like, like, there's this idea that we can't be transparent about all of that stuff, or that it's too messy or too, I don't know, there's, like, that conflict there. But, like, the second we do that, that's why we have so many people who are walking around completely uninformed and who feel like terrified of these subjects. Oh yeah. I mean, that's why you have that like newbie who got an $800,000 advance on a book that no one's heard of is because no one knows that they should be asking for that kind of money, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think any situation that I've ever had where I either ask people how much they are getting paid or they ask me, we always talk about it and it works out for the better. There's a situation where um, I'm a freelance editor for Matt Cave Studios um, along with Erica Schulten and Mike Mauricio, and I probably butchered his last name, but um, he is a white guy. 
cis guy. And the first thing that he did when we all made like a group chat of the freelance editors, he was like, I'm getting paid $800 an issue. How much are you all? And I was like, I'm getting paid the same. And Erica was like, I'm not getting paid that. And so that's the first thing that we did. We went to make sure that Erica was getting paid the same amount that we were getting paid, you know? And so it's like, it benefits everyone to be open about how much you're getting. And I think the only downside to that is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no I can't, yeah, yeah, there is none. Like people are always afraid that like, they tell people what advantage they got that the publisher is going to be like, mm, we'd really like it if you didn't say that. But you have to ask why. Why right. don't they want other people to know? You know, like even if yeah. you look at like Publishers Weekly, whenever a book comes out, they have it organized where like a nice deal is like up to $50,000 and a very nice deal is fifty dollars to $75,000. And so like they never actually say how much the book was sold for, but they just use cues like nice deal, very nice deal significant deal Mm -hmm. you know and it's like that alone is you know exemplary of of how the industry doesn't like to talk about how much each other gets paid it only benefits the people in charge that's literally like every day I get closer and closer to outing outlets rates because like (laughs) we don't get fucking paid and it sucks yeah and you know we should because the kind of work that we're doing is full-time work you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I was super upset about it, but I had to turn down a job for Scholastic and I'm, I'm always going to be upset about it because I love that book series that they wanted me to do. And, you know, they wanted to pay me $50,000 for two books with a turnaround time that was just impossible with my current schedule. And so because they weren't mm-hmm. flexible, because the editor I would have been working with would have been on furlough and because $25,000 a year, because that's how long it takes to do a book is not something I can live off of, you know? So Mm -hmm. you have to think about like, how much money does it cost for you to live off of this money? If it's $25,000, then that should be your minimum for any book deal if it's like a graphic novel advance. But you also have to think about you're not getting $25,000 in a single check. You also have to get 15% to your agent. You also have to get it, you know, it gets paid out quarterly, you know, upon signing, upon release, upon publication, you know? So that's what you have to think about when you're thinking about those kinds of of deals is, is this going to be worth it for me while I'm making this book? Like if I'm making this book and I can't afford groceries, they didn't pay me enough, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's so tempting, probably, like, when you're new to the industry, you see, like, 50000 you're like, yeah, like, that sounds great. That's a great number. But you don't think yeah. about, like, the taxes. Dude, the If yeah. I was offered $50,000 the same time I was offered, you know, what I was offered for archival quality, I would have taken it. I mean, I mm-hmm. took Oni's deal, which was $3,000, which is nothing, you know? So I, I've got a, a great, like, royalty deal, you know? But if you don't know, you don't know. And that's why it's important to make sure that people know. Think about how much work it's going to cost you in hours and monetize that because you should not be starving while making a graphic novel. You should not have to pay out of your own pocket someone to help you finish the book in time, you know? So it's like, just think about what what you need to live and they'll pay for it because they should be grateful for you for giving them a story that they can sell not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's like these conversations are important because like how can you advocate for yourself and others if you don't know any better? Um, yeah. Gosh, yeah. good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I just get very hyped up and, and, and heated when it comes to, you know, getting what you're owed as a creator mm-hmm. and having confidence in your in yourself to say no to something, which is another reason why you should get an agent because, Mm. you know, Anjali is the one that can say, we're not taking this deal so that I feel like, you know, I'm making a good decision because she's backing me up on it. Not just, you know, I don't know. I guess I'll say no to it because I don't, I don't feel good about it. But when you have someone on your side, who's like, no, you're right. You shouldn't feel good about it. Then it makes it a lot easier for you to make those decisions. That's awesome. Like I, I, I like that. Is, that is a really cool thing to have. And I like, like I said, I feel like 
for even for me, like I heard that I was like, oh, 50,000, that seems like a great deal. But then you break it down and it's like, yeah, like and so it's it's yeah, it's great that you have somebody in your corner kind of looking out for you and and reinforcing that. And I feel like, yeah, that's, I mean, if I had no other jobs, you know, if I didn't have heart, I didn't have side quests, I might I may have taken the gig because, mm-hmm. you know, money is money is money. But because of my situation, I'm able to look at my situation and decide, do I need this money or not? And is this enough for me to put all this effort into? Because not only is it, do I already have enough money? It's, do I have time for it? You know, Mm -hmm. and doing three books at once is crazy, (laughs) you know? And if I'm going to do that, I want to make sure that I'm getting paid enough to put myself through that, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you yeah, get a fifty thousand um, dollar gig from Scholastic and you have another no other jobs, then yeah, take it. <laughs> but, <laughs> take that you know, but, think, think about your situation. Think about how it's going to be broken down and and get an idea of what that's going to look like. Because yeah, you know, if ten thousand dollars, you know, every couple of months is enough for you, good. Then take it. That's the job that yeah. you need. But if it's not, don't take it. You know? Yeah, I guess moral of the story is is know your worth and uh talk to others so you can get a better gauge of uh of your you worth know, what you should be asking for. And then you get a, oh, I mean yeah. it seems weird saying like talk to others to know your worth, but like that's like you kind of do need to have that comparison there, right? Like cuz I mean, if you've never seen a thousand dollars a hundred seems like a lot but if you know that everybody else is walking around with ten thousand you know what I mean like it's just yeah. there's just something you, you need to have that comparison there absolutely and I know if I had that comparison I would have asked for more for only friends we just you know we were working full-time jobs doing other things you know and we were totally fine to get a book deal because we wanted a book deal and you know even though you know we only got paid you know pennies for the book um it jump started my career you know mm-hmm. so in the long run it was worth it it was a mistake to you know get paid that amount but um overall it was worth it so you have to really think about it. you have to make those kinds of, of decisions and it's so much easier to make that decision absolutely well i think that does us for today unless ty or kayla y'all had anything you wanted to add to no, Jess, I think mm-hmm. you're a, a lovely host and interviewer and conversationalist. <laughs> you did great. Aw, thank you. Steens, <laughs> uh, uh, was there any last, like, final words or advice or anything you wanted to give to anybody? Um, build your community. Um, if you have an editor that reached out to you and wants to work with you, that means it's time to get an agent. Um drink water Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and uh pet your cat and find your (laughs) pet yeah that too yeah (laughs) go online figure go you get co-star go to your mom ask uh you know how what time it was when you were born and (laughs) figure out your your astrological sign Uh, be a be a Libra Virgo rising like Steens and I were the best. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty obvious. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is going to uh, do us today. Uh, Steens, where can people find you? So you can find me online. Um, I am on Twitter and Instagram at oh hey Steens. That's O H E Y Steens. And where else? Uh, you know, I do a lot of panels. So you might find me on a panel or a podcast. Um, but yeah, oh, hey, Steens, you can find me. That's my handle on like everything. Perfect. And we will make sure that is included in the show notes. Uh, Ty, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at T-U-Y underscore G and eight R's. Perfect. And Kayla? You can find me on Twitter at OA Kayla. Perfect. And you can find me at Jessicogs over on Twitter and Instagram. Palin Around is a product of Uppercut, which you can find on all social media at Uppercut Crit and UppercutCrit.com. If you'd like to hang out with the Uppercut crew, feel free to join our Discord. As always, the link is in the episode description. And if you like the show, be sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And if you can't get enough, you can head over to patreon.com slash uppercut crit and toss a couple bucks our way to get it early or even get your name right at the end, just like these folks here. Uh, these are our producers. Thank you. Let me... Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read this little list here. Thank you, everyone. Uh, Dale, Chris Hardigan, uh, Jesse Vitelli, Eric Sapp, Javi Gwaltney, Game Crash, Adept777, uh, Tyler McCall, Optional Objectives, Michael Diaz Suarez, uh, Kenneth Shepard, Lucas Lyon, Eric Jin, Eli Berg Moss, Adrian Arock Williams. Matthew Flowers, Andrew Sherman, Colton Crow, Sean Martin, Jesse Peterson, Numer, Osman Elamin, Jared Shu, DJ Kento, Cam Koenig, Quinton Hoffman, Abnormal Mapping, and Mikey Phillips. Thank you all so much. That list is getting so long. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you all so much for your generosity. And thank you, listeners, for palling around with us. Bye. Bye.